uh, but we appreciate you calling in. So, uh, Michael, for those that are listening in, um, your your dad was a former mafia boss of the Colombo family. Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. My dad was uh, actually the underboss of the family back in the uh, in the sixties. What's underboss um, mean? What does that mean? Well, normally it's the second in command. You have a boss in that life. You have a boss, an underboss, uh, copper regime or captain, and a soldier. And there is a, a position called consigliere, which um, Robert Duvall played brilliantly in The Godfather. But it was fictional in The Godfather because in order to be a sworn made member of that life and take the oath, your father must be Italian. So, um, and my dad, myself, were hundred percent Italian. So. But he was the underboss, and uh, he was Joe Colombo's underboss, and that's a uh, very powerful position. Uh, yeah, it <laughs> absolutely is. Uh, uh, by the way, this is Ron. Uh, I'm the other half of the Ron and Craig show. Here. And I'm Craig, and then Eric is with us. Um, you know, uh, we have, uh, we're have we a political party show. We do politics, but we also try to introduce things that are kind of outside of uh, what most people run into. And your life, I mean, wow. Talk about I mean, outside of, way outside of what most people would 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 ever experience, and uh, that lifestyle, I think, um, you know, to a certain extent, and, and I'd really love to hear your opinion on this. Um, do you think that that's that that's been something that's been overblown by the movies, by uh, popular culture? Have they turned that lifestyle of uh, that lifestyle of organized crime into something uh, that it's that's far from what it is, or are there truths there? Or, I mean, what's your take on that? Well, I, I, I'd like to answer that. I just tell you, I'm having a little trouble hearing you. You're coming in um, a little bit blurred, so I'm, I'm really trying to oh, okay. pay as close attention as I can. Well, that's because we have Craig on the. Uh, <laughs> Oh, uh, okay. usually, sorry, Michael. Our uh, our guy that usually does this is that better? Can you hear me now? I yeah, that's like, a little bit better. Now it's like the uh, you know. <laughs> to answer your question, you know, uh, I get asked all the time which movies are uh, you know best uh, you know talk about that life or show that life, and I would have to say you know The Godfather I think was the greatest of those movies. Just the acting, the story. I mean, it was terrific, but it was um, it was fictional. And, uh, you know, the movies that probably depict that life the best are Goodfellas um, and Donnie Brasco. And, and I knew all of those guys. As a matter of fact, they mentioned me in Goodfellas because I was pretty friendly with Henry and, and Jimmy Burke and those guys. But, wow. um, you know, uh, is it? I got to tell you this. A lot of people that, you know, come from different parts of the country where, you know, the mob doesn't really exist and doesn't have much of a presence, like some places in the Midwest, you know, not Chicago, obviously, Cleveland, um, Youngstown, Ohio. There is a big presence there, but a lot of other places there isn't. They don't really know. So, you know, the stronghold for this life was no doubt New York. I mean, we had five real families there, and uh, we had about 750 made members, and, and that's members, that, people that actually took the oath, and you do take an oath. And you go through a period that's kind of a recruiting period, and if you prove yourself, then, uh, you know, you, you get the honor in their eyes of, of becoming a, a member. And um, I, I will say this, you know, the, the, the movies sometimes don't depict it correctly, but as far as downplaying it, I would say no, because 
you know, you can say what you want about that life, and I'll make other comments about it, but for almost a 100 years in America, you know, we, we survived on some very tough conditions, and not only survived, but prospered, and, and the mafia was in, you know, it, it infiltrated every sector of, of our society, from politics right down to the guy on the street, you know, the unions we controlled for, for a long time, and we had a lot of, of, of say with what went on in this country, so... You know, it's a very real organization, very powerful organization. I was part of it. I benefited from it for 20 years. I also got, you know, uh, a lot of heartache over it because uh, I became a major target of law enforcement and I had to deal with uh, a lot of trials and so on and so forth. All very legitimate because that's who I was and they had every right to come after me. Um, but I will say this, and I want people to understand this. You know, I don't ever glorify that life because... I believe it's an evil life. And the reason I say that is I'm not calling the guys evil because I was one of them. I just happen to be very fortunate, very blessed to be out of it now. Um, but I don't know one family of any member of that life that hasn't been totally de devastated. And I don't mean hurt. I mean devastated, including my own. Now, not my wife and kids because I've been able to, you know, when I walked away, I've been able to preserve them from that. But my mother, my father, my brothers and sisters, I mean, you know, our whole family was basically destroyed because of my father's involvement in that life. And, uh, and I mean, really destroyed. And that's true of every member, made member of that life that I know. So any lifestyle that does things like that to people is, is at its core, it's evil. Even though that's not, not maybe the intent of us when we get involved because we have a very idealistic view of it. When I got into that life, I was thrilled. You know, I was going to be part of something my dad was part of. I love my dad very much. I idolize him. And uh, we thought it was a life of honor. Um, and in some ways, in many ways it is. But it's a misguided honor in many ways also. And, you know, I grew up in that life. So not only did I watch my father, but I spent 20 years myself in that life. I know it intimately well. I became a, you know, a cop regime in that life. And they were, at one point, uh, grooming me to be either the boss or the underboss. So I reached a very high level when I was 16, reacting. And, and so I know it as well as anybody. Michael, but, um, Michael this is Craig. Sorry. Uh, I was just going to, for those that are just tuning in, we're talking to Michael Franzese, former uh, mob boss of the Colombo crime family. Um, what changed? What finally made you change? Uh, I know your wife had a, a big part in it uh, when I watched your uh, show on the History Channel. Is that correct? Yeah, I saw the, the History Channel thing. She, was she did. And my wife was the, I would say, the catalyst for things that had been occurring. You know, just a little background. I mean, I, I became a major target of law enforcement. I had two federal indict, indictments. Uh, both of them were racketeering indictments. One brought on by Rudy Giuliani. And I had uh, five state indictments. So I, I became, you know, <laughs> Uh, a major target. I was indicted seven times. I went to trial six out of those seven times and then finally took a plea in the last case. But, um, you know, when Giuliani and the federal government declared war, the Justice Department, I should say, really declared war on that lifestyle in the early 80s, it, it, it made a, a dramatic change. You know, they went after all of the, the uh, bosses. They went after all of the major guys which they never did before. They hit them with these racketeering acts. Um, and I saw guys, I was in, in the uh, federal jail, and I saw guys going to the trial and, and getting sentenced after a conviction, you know, 100 years, 150 years. I saw a lot of guys starting to turn informant because they, they couldn't do that kind of time. 
And I just saw that this life was, was really in trouble. Even after I won a major case with Giuliani, I was on trial seven months, and I was acquitted in that case. If I wasn't, I, I would have been charged, I would have been sentenced to 100 years plus. And that's the kind of time they were given out. I wouldn't wow. be here today. But um, so I started to see that the life was in a lot of trouble. Still, I would not have left. I would not have betrayed my oath, and when I say betrayed, I don't mean by going into the witness protection program or testifying against people. I never did that. I just walked away. But I would have never done that had I not met my wife, who was a young girl of faith, who I fell in love with, and I realized that if I stayed with her, um, she was a young girl when I met her. She was 20 years old. I said, I'll, I'll end this girl's life because I'm either going to be dead or I'm going to end up in prison, like just about everybody that I know in that life. So you know, she had that major impact on me. I really, in the beginning, I did it for her uh, before I myself became a person of faith and realized, you know, that what I was doing was just off the charts wrong. But, uh, so, yes, she was the catalyst, and, you know, we're married 31 years now. We have four children. We have grandchildren, and, and uh, I'm probably the most fortunate guy you're ever going to have on this call because I should be dead in prison with, for the rest of my life. It absolutely sounds that way, no. I mean. Uh, Michael, uh, again, and we're we're all Christians here um, as as well, so we think that's great. And you go around now and, and as a motivational speaker, correct? Well, yeah. I mean, when I say motivational, I mean, look, I, I I've been blessed to speak in a lot of different forums. I have a ministry. I've spoken uh, over at, at eleven hundred churches and ministries in the past several years. My message, I share my story, which I think we as Christians uh, are, are really commanded to do. And I believe that my story is a source of hope and encouragement to people because I tell people, listen, you know, at one point in time, I might have been the worst person in the room. And if God can forgive me, and not only forgive me, but give me my life, my freedom, my family, and, and this wonderful blessing to be here to speak to you, if he'll do it for me, he'll do it for anyone. And uh, I've really noticed, you know, in these past several years that this is a message that is resonating more than ever because people are really struggling in this country, guys. You know, this is not our grandfather's America anymore. People need to be encouraged. They need hope. We have a lot of stuff going on here that that are making people, uh, you know, pretty depressed and unhappy. And they they have to find their hope and their encouragement in Christ because that's that's where it is. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, I noticed uh, the Breaking Out Foundation. What, what's that all about? Well, you know, it's not really the Breaking Out Foundation anymore. It's Michael Franzi's Ministries. We kind of changed okay. the name since I was the face of it. But really, you know, the concept in Breaking Out was that anybody can break out of a bad situation, regardless of what it is, uh, through Jesus Christ. Because my ministry is really evangelism, guys. I mean, I've been speaking now all over the world to every kind of group that you can imagine, whether they be gangbangers or people at risk or professional college athletes that are struggling with their relationships and, and gambling issues. I speak with corporate America and, and explain to them, you know, that ethics are important, something that I didn't employ all the time when I was on the street, but I've learned to do now. And I, I had a head for business, you know, I made a I paid a very significant amount of money in that life, and, and uh, I had a number of businesses at the time, both legal and illegal. And, uh, and so I've been able to be a source of in- information for people like that also. And then, of course, there's a ministry, and I, I speak to all kinds of people. So, you know, God has given me this evangelistic ministry that now, in the last two, two and a half years, has uh, 
really extended outside of our borders. I've been speaking, uh, I'm going on tour in the United Kingdom. I've spoken in Singapore, Australia, Malaysia, Bulgaria. I'm going to China and South Africa. And, wow. <laughs> you know, I want your audiences to understand, I planned none of this. This was not my plan. This was totally God's plan. I didn't, I didn't look for these opportunities. I tried to be obedient and just let God lead the way. I've been doing this, you know, a little over 15 years now. So I've seen how God has worked in my life, and I certainly encourage people to, to wait on the Lord and let Him work in theirs. Absolutely. Uh, Michael, one thing you were saying is that you, you took your wife to see Goodfellas, and um, she heard your name mentioned in the movie, and I don't know if you were kidding, but you said, okay, let's go. Uh, did, were you just kidding well, when you said that, or did you already leave the movie? No, well, the backstory to that is my wife, um, you know, lived through a lot of stuff with me. She doesn't read my books. She doesn't, she doesn't want to hear about my past life because she lived it. But when I got home from prison, you know, Goodfellas had just came out, and I told my wife, I said, you know, honey, let's go see that movie because I knew all of those guys. It's a little nostalgia for me, you know, yeah. so I, I had no idea, you know, how the movie was going to be. I knew Scorsese did it, so they, he, he normally does a good job, and De Niro and Pesci, I mean, it's a top-notch cast. So we go there, and um, we're sitting in the theater, and I, I right away knew I made a mistake because if you haven't seen it, it's kind of a graphic movie, and... She got into all of that, and she turns to me. I'm eating my popcorn. She turns to me, and she said, is this really what your life was all about? I and mean, this is what you guys did? So I looked, and I said, honey, come on. It's a movie. They make things up. You know, just watch the movie. <laughs> and notice, no sooner do I say that than there's this scene around the bar, and yeah. they're introducing people, and they go, and there's Michael Francis. <laughs> and she looks at me, and I said, come on, honey, let's go, because I didn't know what else they were going to say, and I didn't, <laughs> I didn't want to see that. So, so y'all really, really left? Oh, yeah, we left. So, no, she, yeah, I I mean, so she's never it. seen the movie? No, she won't watch it. But, uh, that, that but you watched it at some show. point. You've watched it, right? Oh, I've, I've watched it 20 times. I, I mean, was going to ask you if you watched it. It's fun to watch, at least from uh, sitting on the other side after all that's over. It's probably fun to watch. Uh, but well, let me tell you. Real life's not fun, but. My my enjoyment in that movie is Joe Pesci. I mean, he is he is the uh, he's the best gangster that there is. I mean, you're talking, you know, to, me. You're talking to me. Yeah, I love it. You're talking to me, and I got to tell you that <laughs> whole line. You did that way better than I did. Yeah. Well, funny. I got to tell you something. I, I told people. I said I guarantee because you know Pesci comes from the street. I said I guarantee those lines were not in the script. That uh, he just uh, ad libbed all of that. Yeah. And they weren't. They weren't in the script. Yeah, right? he, he, put, cool. he probably he probably did put them in. Yeah, and I, absolutely. I'm sorry, guys. Um, let me ask you this. I saw on the History Channel where you were talking about y'all were talking to college athletes about making sure not that they lost the game, but y'all made deals. And what my question is, do you think a lot of that's going on now? Because I feel like it is in sports uh, where bets and people are doing things to make sure outcomes. That was basketball, right? Wasn't it? There were. The but I games. think it happens. What do you think? I think about that now? that was basketball that was, they were doing at the yeah. time, right? Yeah. Well, no, you, you got to say I was recruited recruited by uh, all the pro leagues and by the NCAA to speak to. Uh, both pro and student athletes about gambling because it's a major problem. Um, it's more of a problem today than it was in my day. You know, and the reason they picked me, I mean, I had 12 or 13 bookmakers on the street that were with me. And we had a lot of athletes gambling with us on the pro and college level. And, uh, you know, again, you know, without getting into it, uh, you know, I, 
It's not about winning or losing. It's about the point spread. It's all about the spread. And if right, you can get right, an athlete right. to shave a couple of points, you know, you you got a winning thing on your side if you're on the street. And so I've spoken at over 300 universities uh, throughout the years, and and uh, and I've spoken to every pro team and all the players, and and we deliver this message. But it's more prominent today because in my day, if you wanted to gamble, you had to go to a bookmaker, you had to go to Vegas. Yeah. Today, you can gamble on your phone. Yeah. You can gamble on right. your computer. And these kids, especially on a college level, are getting themselves in a tremendous amount of trouble. I'll tell you something that's scary. I've spoken at over 300, probably 350 universities, mostly Division One and Two. And every time I finish, I tell the kids, because they're all the student athletes from all the different sports, and I tell them, listen, if you've got a gambling problem or you know somebody that does and you need some help, I don't work for the NCAA. I'm a, I'm a hired guy. I said, no, I don't work for your school. I said, email me. I said, you don't have to tell me your name. You don't have to be any of that ID information. I said, because I want to help you out. I said, I can refer you to someplace. I could advise you online. We could talk about it. This has never failed yet. 300 and some odd schools never failed yet. By the time I get to my hotel room, I have emails from student athletes that are going through issues either themselves or somebody that they know. Wow. Wow. That's scary. Yeah, but it's very... the reality of it. And that's... That's just part of that you're right because it's so easy now. It's so simple to do, and I mean I can't tell you, I can't tell you how many athletes have gotten themselves in trouble playing poker, got themselves in you know mm-hmm. over their head for a couple of thousand dollars, and in order to make it back, they'll shave points in the game so they can they'll make a bet, shave points in the game so they can pay off their gambling debt from a poker game. Wow. Mark, I'm going to jump in again. I apologize. I've, I've read, I've been reading up on you a lot. Um, you said the one thing you miss about all of it though is the camaraderie. You said you did say you do miss, I guess, just talking to the guys and and hanging out. Is as far as the old life, that's the one thing you do miss. It's just the re- the relationship you guys had and hanging out, laughing and cutting up. Have you found well, listen, that you know, anywhere else? Well, you know, it was more than that then. You know, when you come into this life, you have a very idealistic view. I mean, the night I took the oath, you know, they told me it was Halloween night, 1975. They said to me, Michael, from now on, you got brothers wherever you go in the world. We got your back. You'll have our back. Don't ever worry about your wife, your mother, your daughter, your sisters. Nobody's ever going to bother them. You know, we had this very tight-knit group. Now, of course, you know, understanding that life, there's a lot of treachery in that also because... You make a mistake, your best friend that you that had your back could walk you into a room, you don't walk out again. So I mean there's a flip side to that. But but you know, I had a very tight relationship with the guys that were under me and guys that were around me. And yeah, I miss that. I'm a I'm a guy's guy when it comes to that. And I think there's nothing you know, to me there's nothing more powerful than this bond, this relationship among real men. And I missed it a lot. You know, but I always say we have a gracious God who has now replaced that camaraderie with the fellowship that I have with a lot of my brothers in Christ, and um, and I treasure those relationships because I'm I'm a guy's guy in that regard. I I always valued those relationships, and I have them now, and uh, of course they're they're better suited now because uh, we're doing the right things and not the wrong things. And it, I think um, I just want to jump in real quick here. One of one of the things um, that I see is, uh, it seems to me, you know, family, uh, uh, concepts like family, loyalty, trust, uh, camaraderie, 
these are good concepts. These are these are things that that keep our country together, keep our lives together, and they but they can also be manipulated into something that's used in in a wrong way and like you said before in an evil way. So having the good feeling, I could totally see having the good feelings because those were uh, there was a loyalty there that like um well I I uh, I was in the um service for a while. I was in the army. Um, my and all my family and stuff have been in the military. And one of the things that, that I you know tell people like the there's a bond there's a like a bond uh, between the you and your fellow soldier, your fellow uh you know sailor, marine, whoever. And it's different. It's a different kind of bond. And it's 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 what it's what keeps people I think in the military a lot of times and it's also what what uh, really keeps our our military in particular, I think, so uh, so strong. And I can see you you know those things hard to walk away from that. It must have been so difficult to walk away from that. And then, but to see what you've done with it is just that's that's really fantastic. And yeah, it's really fantastic. Well, right. well, let me tell you, you know, it, it was one of the hardest decisions I ever made because you know. You gotta understand that life is a whole subculture from everything else that exists. When you're in it, you gotta be in it body, mind, and soul, or you don't survive. And it's, you know, so betraying that life, and when I say betraying it by kind of renouncing my oath, it was the most difficult decision that I made. I mean, I felt horrible about it for years. I mean, I would go to sleep at night, you know, walking away, wake up, no, I'm back in. And uh, it was very, very difficult. And even at times now, I, I, I'll be honest with you, you know, sometimes something will just hit me and I, I feel, you know, maybe I'll hear about a guy that got killed or I'll hear about a guy that's still doing 30, 40, 50 years in prison. So many of my former soldiers, my friends have died in prison. Um, and, and I feel these little feelings that, you know, you just can't help it. I and mean, we're all still human. I, I always say when you come to Christ, you don't get a lobotomy. You know, the past you don't, no. doesn't go out of your mind. It's true. But, uh, you know, one thing I want to mention, and I, you know, I deal with so many of these gangbangers and, and so many of these at-risk youth, and if you hear them all, the stories are all the same. You know, they, they're in a broken home, they don't have a father figure, their mom's trying to do their best, maybe not trying to do their best. And I will tell you this, I, and I'm, I don't mean to be offensive to anybody, because I respect everybody's situation, but I believe all the problems are a great part of the problems that we're having in America. And I see it. I'm in the trenches with these kids. It's the breakup of the family. I, mean, I agree 100%. Not, I agree 100%. I mean, look, they don't grow up in the right environment. They don't have the right training. They don't have the right teaching, the right education, the right love. Listen, my father, a major figure in organized crime, but when he got in the house, it was all about family. We didn't talk about his, his outside life. It was family. We had to respect each other. He was a father figure. My mother was a mother figure. Not always, you know, parents don't always do the right thing, but, but he did his best. And I, I attribute, regardless of what my father, my, and by the way, my father's 99 years old. My father's done 37 years in prison. He's the oldest federal inmate right now. He's wow. out of jail next year, and he's, he's going to be 100 years old. But I love my dad. Wow. In spite of who he was and what he did, I mean, I love my dad for the way he brought me up. He brought me up with respect. He brought me up to treat women the right way. He brought me up to have integrity, to have people, you know, 
look at me and say, well, there's a good guy. I mean, those are the things he instilled in me. And, of course, he led me into this life, which was, you know, a mistake I found, but he thought he was doing the right thing. So I don't blame him at all for that. I take full responsibility for my decision. But these kids don't have that. And if you don't have the proper upbringing, I say this, and I don't mean to go on, but it's so important to me. I have seven children. I've been really blessed because I had, you know, my first wife, we were married nine years. Tammy and I married 31 years. They were good mothers. And even when I wasn't around, they were good mothers. But but my son, my, Michael Jr., he's now 26. From the time he was 16 until he was 24, I, this kid went off the deep end. I lost him totally. He would not listen to me. And here he grew up in a Christian home, great sisters around him, terrific mother, father that's out there, you know, sharing the gospel every weekend. Didn't matter. He just had his own head and went the other way. It was it was so disturbing, the, the stuff that this kid got involved in. Now, because of my wife's faith and her telling me we got to pray for him, he's a late bloomer, he's going to be okay. In the last two years, he's become totally the opposite. I mean, he's the greatest kid in the world because it was in him. But look, if he didn't have that parenting, he would have never came back. And imagine if he didn't have it from day one. What do we expect of these kids when they're not taught and brought up properly? They're like wild animals, and I, I feel for every one of them, and it's a big part of my ministry, you know, to try to, to save these kids because every city and town I go into, I mean this, guys, every city and town, you know what they tell me? we got the worst teen pregnancy problem. we got the worst gang problem. They all believe it. You know why? Because it's all over this country, probably all over the world, and it, it's even in, in, in places where you would think they were too affluent to have problems. That's awesome, it's, Michael. It's a, I think that's great what you're doing. And what website do you want people before we we have to let you go? What website do you do you want folks to have? Well, you know, I'm all over Facebook and Twitter and YouTube, and you can just Google my name in there, and you'll see everything. My website is is my full name, MichaelFranzese.com. Uh, you know, you can learn what there is to learn about me all over the web, and you know, I appreciate anybody that, that wants to speak to me. You know, I get a lot. I get a lot of Facebook and email requests, and, and I have a ministry, and we all try to deal with all of them. And we have a lot of people asking us for, you know, prayers and guidance and, and help in different ways. And any way that we can do that, we do it. Of course, you know, I speak every weekend, and, and uh, we try to share the gospel wherever we could, and, and uh, we'd love to hear from people. Well, listen, uh, and my, I'm sorry, Ron, I, I'll get to you. Um, we, we love you and appreciate what you've done, and... Uh, uh, we got your back right, on the yeah. Ron and Craig show, yeah, and uh, uh, we'll probably have to have you back because I don't even think we've heard. Uh, I not mean, even I half don't even think we life. even scratched yeah, the surface. Well, yeah, well, that was. Uh, I appreciate it, guys, and and I, and I thank you for hanging in. I know it's been difficult to nail down, but I've been traveling so much, and uh, I'm uh, glad you had the patience. Uh, I really appreciate on, it. Thank on my you. end, I'm the one that's been uh, traveling. Yeah, Craig, yet, does, and, uh, Craig does all I that. I wasn't so. going to give up because uh, <laughs> I, I really enjoyed it, and uh, you kept popping up. But you had told me you were busy, and I knew you was. But we, well, my, we appreciate it, and you've been Yeah, great. Michael, I want to thank you uh, for coming. And I, you know, I just wanted to add one thing, really. You're, um, you know, I can just tell uh, the, way you're, the way you speak and the way you talk and the, uh, the conviction – uh, comes through in your voice and you know you i can tell that like there's there's been uh some uh, uh some humility that's come in a good way not in the way that you know like uh not but in a in a good way through especially at, it, through christ with you and i think that that's 
you're doing incredibly good work and uh wow just uh an amazing story we have we really do have to talk to you again we do and and thank you so much michael and uh we love you and appreciate you and like i say we got you back and uh we'll keep in touch with you for sure and we're gonna let you go so you can enjoy the rest of your day and evening and, and we appreciate it all right guys i appreciate it thanks for those kind words the encouragement is appreciated and don't ever think you're bothering me just you just you just keep you just keep pounding on me. Oh, it's don't okay. worry, Craig. Craig bothers people. Don't <laughs> worry. Good yeah, he's he, he's <laughs> good with that. That's good. Yeah, he's All right, good with guys. That, I'm right. taking that. Thanks, Michael. Thank you, Michael. Thank you. All right, guys. Take All care. Right, God, bless. God bless. Bye bye.